0: Joining us from Charles Schwab, Senior Vice President and Chief Investment Strategist. Lizanne, great to have you here this morning. I want to start with the fantastic chart that shows the way this market has been just kind of turned over, rolled around, rotating in weird ways. It's looking at the number of new highs uh, in the S&P versus NASDAQ and Russell. What's this tell you?
1: So uh, we have really started to see a bit of a, not just a recent breadth deterioration, which comes when you have a, uh, a, a string of, of weaker days like we've had recently, but just an interesting divergence between the still fairly healthy breadth of the S&P 500 and much weaker breadth for both the NASDAQ and the Russell 2000. In fact, on a 50-day average basis, the spread between The um, S&P's breadth relative to the 50-day average in the Nasdaq's has never been uh, wider than this. So this deterioration incurred, of course, in what had been really hot pockets of the market, uh, the Nasdaq, Nasdaq 100, small caps. And since mid-February, those are the ones that have been taking uh, a breather. The question is, will we see S&P continue to roll over and catch down to that weaker breadth for the other averages, or do does the breadth of the other averages catch back up to the S&P? Obviously, those on the bullish side of the equation would like to see the
0: latter, not the former. So right now, we've had some recent leadership in staples, we've seen utilities, some of the Minval stuff is picked up uh, at a moment where the reopening trade just kind of hit a wall. What should we make of that, Lizanne?
1: So it has been a tilt back a little bit to to defense, but what's interesting is it may just be some action, to not so much bottom fish, but to find pockets of the market that really haven't participated much in any of these rotations that we've experienced over the past year or so. Because we have to remember the first five or six months of the COVID bull market starting March 23rd of last year, you had performance by the COVID era defensives. But those were the big five. That was the the Apple, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Amazon. Those became the pandemic era defensives. Actual movement and leadership by what we would think of as classic defensives, like consumer staples, like utilities, really haven't been in that leadership position at all. And it may just be more of this rotation where investors are trying to find pockets in the market that have not represented either that leadership position or where you've seen that speculative excess uh, kick in, which I think has been a troubling factor for the market in a broad sense.
0: So it seems like earnings can't come soon enough, Lazanne, with the valuations where they are. You've got a table that runs through a ton of different valuation metrics. Uh, On the surface, it looks a little bit alarming, uh, but um, I guess uh, we can find some comfort in that we should be expecting some big growth, or is any growth here just still not gonna be enough? I mean, there's a lot of stuff here far on the red for this valuation list, basically everything except for those that ties a valuation to bonds.
1: Right, exactly. It's really only equity risk premium in the Fed model, which is a a, somewhat a form of uh, of an equity risk premium. Everything else is, is deep in the red, even in the case of forward P, which has improved a little bit by virtue of this surge in earnings. But there's no question we're in lofty valuation territory. But as we've learned many times in the past, certainly in the late 1990s, you can have a period of above average valuation, especially if you're not dealing with a major move up in either yields or inflation. And jury's still out as to whether either you would call the, the move in inflation or yield a major move or whether there's persistence in that looking ahead. Uh, but you markets can stay, as as you know Keynes once said, irrational longer than some investors can stay solvent. So uh, in and of itself, a richly valued market doesn't signal impending doom but of course it's coupled with pretty frothy sentiment conditions Mm. breadth so far has acted as a positive offset to those two but I also think the good news is at least the denominator is improving mode and that was a very important difference between the current environment and say 1999-2000 period
0: Lizanne, as we get earnings growth, then maybe some of these valuation metrics come down to your point here. And uh, we get the earnings, uh, the denominator starts to climb. Until we get that big climb, is the market still going to be jostled by rates if they resume their trend higher? Because if the only reasonable valuations here on this table are those tied to rates, are we out of the woods yet? Because last week and the, la- the week before that, I've been hearing a lot of folks saying, Oh, the market got comfortable with rates here. The market is now okay with this. But at the same time, rates stopped going up. So what did we get right. comfortable with?
1: I think the market became comfortable in the fact that rates after that initial spike in February to 1.6%, and then we popped up to one7 you sort of settled back down in the 1.5-1.6. 1. 1. So we're, at least for now, out of that sort of rapid acceleration mode. Uh, are we out of the woods? I don't think so. I think you could see bouts like what we saw when we had a full 10% correction in the NASDAQ and sharper declines in some of the more richly valued areas of the market, because that's where the connection is is most significant. Um, rising interest rates, depending on what the components are, the growth component, the inflation component, aren't in and of themselves a risk to the overall equity market, but they do put downward pressure on where pockets of uh, of excess valuation were. And I think if we were to get another one of those shorter-term spikes that maybe moves a bit more quickly or to a level that is a bit discomforting, I think it could continue to hurt some of those higher multiple segments of the market.
0: Mm. Uh, Lizanne, uh, thinking about, well, the connection between our progress on the economy, the data that has been over the last several weeks very good, the timing of some of these moves is particularly head-scratching, both the bond rally that we got, but then also the rollover in some of the reopening trades. What do you make of the fact that those stocks really just kind of hit a wall, right? When it seems like we're hitting our groove here domestically in terms of the reopening. Does that mean they all, I, what was it tell I us? Don't
1: think it's, I don't think it's head scratching, just like it maybe shouldn't have been as head scratching a year ago or eight months ago when we were in that accelerating mode off the bottom in March, yet it was in the absence of any good news on the economy. In fact, mm. continued deterioration in economic data. That's the nature of the discounting mechanism that is the stock Mm. market. It it leads turns in the economy and ultimately prices in the inflection point and the growth thereafter before you actually see it in the data. So uh, maybe you could go to the more trite phrase of of buy on the rumor, sell on the news. But I I think and and I'm not saying that all the good news that's yet to come, either earnings specifically or more broad economic data like GDP is fully in the market. But that is, to some degree, the nature of the market, that it prices in that inflection point and the turn, which sometimes means that when you start to get that data in either in the earnings front or the economic front, the market goes through a period of digestion because it's Mm -hmm. priced a lot of that um, sort of hope and optimism in already.
0: I like the callback to last year as a reminder, cuts both ways, right? Just when things get good the trades maybe stopped but they started getting good when nothing was actually good at the time so uh, right. and,
1: I, and i'm getting the question again and it's phrased the exact same way yeah. why is there a disconnect between the market and the economy Or mm. market and earnings all this good news and the markets not reflecting that well i was getting the same question last summer w- explain the disconnect but that's just the leading nature of uh, of the stock market mm. and especially. If you compare things like the stock market as a leading indicator to economic metrics that are much more lagging in nature, like the unemployment rate, that's where it really, I think, can throw a a wrench into investors who are trying to connect those dots. But understanding the relationship between leading coincident and lagging indicators and how the stock market fits into that, I think help puts in context periods where it seems like the news we're hearing on the economic front doesn't seem to match what the market's doing.
0: So, Lizanne, we're going to take you through to the opening bell here. I got one more that combines to your charts because as we talk about what's been priced in, of course, it naturally begs the question: Okay, then what's going to surprise us? Because in our conversation about, about valuations, your point is: Look, PEs are not a great timing mechanism. The data is there, the studies are there. This scatter plot of forward PE versus price performance is nothing, right? It shows us that. Right. Uh, I mean, it zilch. is yes.
1: It's a it's a negative correlation, but it's negative 0.18. Mm. So yeah you could argue that higher PEs tend to be followed by lower market performance but it's such a minor negative correlation then all you have to do is look at the scattergram to see how far and wide the actual occurrences are there are plenty of instances where you're above 20 on a pe and you're still well into double digit positive returns in the market so the real point is not to treat this in the opposite direction and buy when the market's rich and sell when it's cheap but don't use it as a, as a market timing tool, at least not on its own.
0: Does that reliability of the negative relationship skew when the valuation is extremely high? Because the only period we've got, of course, is dot-com. And that's the chart that worries folks. As earnings do pick up, it looks great. But uh, there's only one period comparable to now, Lizanne. How much should that worry us? Except
1: except that you you were at rich valuations in that period back in 98. So obviously for a while there, subsequent one-year returns were incredibly strong Mm. until ultimately the, the peak what this chart shows i think is an interesting one is that we're, we're in this accelerating phase in earnings which has already had the effect of bringing the forward pe down and you know all else equal that would continue to go down as earnings continue to go up now of course there's no such thing as all else equal that that would assume that the trajectory of expectations pans out as expected maybe it's actually even better which would be good news And it also assumes no change in S&P price, which isn't going to happen. But I just wanted to use sort of simple math to show the power of an improving denominator in bringing down at least a forward P.E. based valuation metric.